Hello fellow teachers and aspiring teachers. Welcome to Those Who Can't, the podcast where the teaching profession takes centre stage. I'm Matt Smith. And I'm Kate Moore. And together we journey our way through the why, the how and the heart of teaching. From the nitty gritty of the industry to the profound joys of being an educator. We're here to explore the ins and outs of teaching and to help you reach your full potential. With stories from our own classroom experiences, insights into the evolving landscape of education and practical advice for both new and seasoned educators. Whether you're facing the challenges of the classroom or seeking inspiration for your teaching journey, we'll see what we can do. So join us as we explore the education industry. Welcome to Those Who Can't. Welcome to episode three of Those Who Can't. Our topic today is actually about the name of our podcast. And we decided to call our podcast Those Who Can't. And Kate, why, why did we do that? So that's a great question, Matt. I believe the full quote is those who can't teach and that's a phrase that's often brandied around as a kind of derisive term for, for those in the teaching profession and it's an interesting statement because, you know, is that really true? Is it, do you find people teaching science who just didn't have the capacity to be a scientist? Do you find people, musicians, that are just teaching music instead of out there doing it, being a musician? I mean, that's what it refers to but what do you think, is that really true? Not in my experience, like, you see, I, I became a history teacher and it wasn't because I couldn't have been a historian. I became a history teacher because I loved history and I loved being around people. So it's like a combination of those two things. But I, you hear the expression all the time, like, th there's one time in my career where I had a parent say to me, you're just a teacher, right? <laughs> and and that, that really targeted, derisive insult it, it did, like, it, it shocked me when I heard it, and it, but it made me think, oh, wow, people really don't value this profession. Like, peop, some people do really think you're just a teacher. But I, I noticed during the pandemic, no one wanted to do it. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, one, no one wanted to teach their own kids. <laughs> no. And, you know, that, that um, story about, oh, our jobs are all going to get automated and soon everyone will be learning online and there'll be robots doing your job and all that yeah. sort of stuff. Um, when, you, when teachers were sort of taken out of the mix for a while there, I think one of the things everyone noticed was, wow, you really need teachers. Yeah, absolutely. And actually, I'd have to say in my experience, I, I've kind of found the opposite in a, in a way. As I've said, I came from a music background and I've taught, taught music for many years. And in schools, you'll often find great musicians who are teaching, teaching kids, and really just not qualified for it. Um, you know, it's something they think, oh, this will be some easy money, you know, I'll get some, do, do some teaching as well as, you know, my performing. But what that's made me realise is how much of a skill teaching really is. Yeah. You can't just go, oh, cause, because I can do this thing, because I'm a good artist, because I'm a good musician, I can just teach that. Because it has its own completely different um, subset of really, really vital integral skills that you need to teach and to, well, to do it well, certainly. Yep. So while it might be true in some cases... I'd say um, those who can't should do something else and not yeah. teach. <laughs> yeah, like te teaching is so technical. Yeah. And like the further I've got down in my career when I started uh, working with students who are studying to become teachers and working with early career teachers and working with experienced leaders, one of the things I've discovered is there are so many technical skills that you need to, to have and to employ to be really good at the job. And like it doesn't matter how good a historian I am. I couldn't be a good history teacher without being able to apply the technical skills of being a teacher. And 
like that emotional intelligence, yeah. I think, is the most underrated skill of being a teacher. So I think you can be – they're two just very uh, distinct set of skills to be uh, a professional in one industry and then to be a professional in the teaching industry where you're, you're sharing industry expertise from another space but doing it with kids and sometimes kids who are reluctant to learn about it. Yeah, absolutely. So definitely emotional intelligence. You know, you have to be able to connect with those students that you're teaching. You have to be able to understand where they're coming from in terms of in terms of their particular challenges, be they, you know, mental, social, whatever they are. And then there's the there's the classroom management side of things. There's just a lot of um, relationship management and influencing skills, mm. right? So one of the best teachers I've seen in a high school classroom was an economics teacher who had come from. Uh, the corporate world so he brought across his expertise from that space and he translated that into the classroom because one he had the the credibility of coming from industry but two he was also a really sort of passionate engaging person and a a great listener and he engaged well with kids and their parents and he he didn't come in and just throw around I worked in industry I I, you know I'm the expert here listen to everything I have to say because that's never going to work right but he he had this good blend of being able to share that knowledge but at the same time like communicate really well and his ability to influence kids I thought was really the key to his success that like he could make them interested in a subject which you know yeah it's economics like I'm only I'm only uh, I, I studied economics at school and yeah I, I, I shouldn't deride economics teachers but he made it really interesting and I think his ability to influence um, the kids in his classes that's one of the things I noticed when I went and saw him teach. Mm. And I think um, well I've always joked half joked that I could teach anything you know just Mm. just give me the content I'll teach it because I've always seen myself as a teacher first and foremost and secondly as in particular subject areas you know Um, because it's just content I mean this is the thing we're living in an age where any kid can open the computer on their phone and, and access any information or yep. any content they want. So teaching isn't about that. It certainly never has been, but it's more clear, you know, as as the information so readily accessible yeah. that that's not what the teachers do, you know. It's, yep. it's, it's about everything around that and taking that content and bringing it to life and making it real for, for yep. the students and just engaging with them. And as you said, you know, all the social, emotional and connection stuff is – is very, very important, definitely. Yeah, and, and holding on to kids' attention now I think is harder than it used to be. Like I, I found that in my teaching that probably 20 years ago if I was teaching a class I would be able to hold their attention because I was the teacher mm. and now there's so many com- competing demands on kids' attention. It, it's, it's not that straightforward and I, I think there's an element of you have to be a bit of a performer, a bit of an entertainer, a bit of a storyteller um, you have to be able to read people's minds a little bit and mm-hmm. read the room. So yeah. it, it's become more complex in that way and, you know, you develop those skills over your career and some people have them more innately than others. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it's it's definitely really very technical. Yeah, for sure. Which kind of brings us back to the, the question about the respect for teachers and um, are you just teachers and, and, and why why we get that kind of attitude from people. Where do you think it comes from? I think part of it is that everyone went to school, right? So because everyone went to school, everyone thinks they know how school yeah. works. And uh, I remember, like, starting my career, I thought it would be easier than it was. Like, 
because, you know, I'd been to school and I'd seen what classrooms do and you judge your own teachers when you're a student. So, yep. you know, you, you look at your teacher and you think, oh, I'm never going to do that, never going to do that, never going to do that and I'm going to do what he does and what she does. And um, when, when you get in the classroom, you realise it's a lot harder than that. Yep. So, yeah, I, I think that's, that's part of it is that everyone through their own experience as a student has formed an opinion of what teaching is and how it should work. Like you hear some of the things parents tell you you should do you know, and they'd say, oh, you know, if, if my if my son gives you any cheek, just, you know, flog him. Like, well, that's not going to happen. Like, that's not a good idea and it's not legal and I'm never going to do it. So don't suggest it. Um, or they, they say, oh, you just need to make sure he's got constant one-on-one attention yeah. and that you're pandering to all these – well, that's not going to happen either. So, yeah. you know, I, I think um, people come in with a, a view of what's what's possible in a classroom and, and it's not always the case. No, no. And certainly if you've ever worked in those kind of, what would you say, high SES type schools. Yeah, yeah. Um, high privilege. High privilege, that's right. You, you, the amount of servicing that, that parents expect yeah. to them personally and to their kids is like next level. Yeah. And they'll just go, you know, they'll just go, well, could you make sure that um, you tie his shoelaces for him before he goes out because he, you know, yeah. I know he's in year four but he can't tie, you know, whatever it is, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you make sure he eats his two yogurts and because he came home with one, whatever it is, you're just expected to serve <laughs> and just do everything, everything for every child. It's just not feasible, you know. It's really just, uh, it's just not feasible. And um, so I have parents call and they say things like, oh, yes, look, my... My daughter really responds well to positive feedback. I'm like, oh, really? I'm so glad you called me and told me that because, you know, I've just been, you know, but it, they, they just think you're, I don't know, what is it? What is it? Well, Kate, I did a transition meeting with a student who was joining one of my schools once and was talking to the parents about, you know, what works and what doesn't and, and trying to develop a bit of a joint sort of partnership approach and the, the mum said to me, oh, he doesn't like if you say no to him when he wants to do something. And, like the, and you think, well, you know, part of life is learning that sometimes people say no to you and it's a really dangerous thing to teach your son that no one can say no to you. So um, that, that was a really like – there's an element of parent education in student education. Like I'm not telling you anything new, but you, you see that expectation on parents – when you uh, the expectation that parents have on teachers, you yeah. see that when you work with parents closely, and sometimes you get a sense of how that reflects attitudes in society yep. towards teachers. For sure, for sure. I mean, I know in COVID, some people had these like bumper stickers that were like, "You lied, my son's not a joy to have in class," yeah, you yeah. know, because they had some insight into it. But I don't know if that really translates to the overall lifting of the respect for the yeah. profession. But I know in some countries, I mean, I know Parsi Salzburg speaks a lot about the respect that um, they have in, in, in Finland, Finland yeah. yeah, for their teachers and how teaching is such a sought-after profession and such a high entry mark and those things. Mm. So, I mean, maybe we can delve into that in another episode of what what would raise the yeah. the standards and the respect for teachers? Yeah, it's a really it's a really hard one. Like I, I th- it sounds simplistic. I think as you raise the pay for an industry, pay reflects how people respect it in society. Yeah, right. Yeah. And like, do we? Why do we? Res- why do people respect the industry of law 
mm. more than teaching? Mm-hmm. Is it because it's a more noble profession? Is it because the contribution to society is greater? I don't know that that's the reason. I think. No. Well, I look think at banking. Yeah. I mean, no one would say banking's a noble profession. Sorry to my sister. But um, <laughs> that's they get paid, you know, a yeah. lot of them get paid astronomically. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and so I, I think the pay reflects it. And as the, the problem is you've got so many you got so many teachers and you don't want people going into the teaching profession because of the money. Like yeah. if you go into the – let's say they, they double the wages, double yeah. the salary of teachers, right? And you'd get more people going into teaching yeah. tomorrow. For sure. I, I guarantee that. But I don't know if you get all the right people going. <laughs> no. And if you've got people going into the industry just because of the money, I think that's going to hurt the, the, the practice of some teachers. But it's definitely going to lift the, uh, the way it's valued in society. Yeah, I mean, it's like we were speaking about in the last episode, you know, if you go into teaching just for the holidays, you know, (laughs) so same thing. You're on a hiding to nothing. (laughs) But I was was reflecting too just recently that um, in terms of like individual, you know, kind of respect and having those conversations with parents, it's only over the last few years that I've had the the confidence to kind of say to, to parents that I'm engaging with to say things like, no, actually, this is what this is my job. This is what I'm good at. Trust yeah, me. Yep. You know, she's in good hands. He's in good hands. I can handle this. You know, because they, there's a lot of emotion tied to those conversations yeah, because, yep. of course, they're so protective and so aspiring for their for their children as they should be. Yep. And so a lot of the questioning comes from you know, can I really trust this person with my child's yeah. life? Really, yep. in terms of their schooling life. But now I've got the confidence to say. No, I've got this. This is what I do and I do yep. it well and I can handle it and, it, you know, there won't be repercussions, whatever it is. But that's, you know, and I've been teaching for 30 years. Mm. So I think younger New Scheme teachers probably need to be coached in that and I'm sure that's yep. one of the things you do yeah, totally. in terms of not, not being arrogant but just coming back saying, no, you know, I'm a professional. Yeah. And I, I don't want it to sound like parent bashing because like no, work, no. working with parents is one of the, the key parts of the job, more, more now than it used to be. Yeah. And... You know, I'm a, I'm a parent and when I have certain expectations of the education my kids are going to have in, in school as well. So I'm talking from both sides of the table here. <laughs> uh, you know, and my kids aren't always angels either. So, you know I know, what it's, I know what it's like being on both sides of the principal's desk. But I think there's, there's times where you sit at that table and you're talking to a parent and you have to remind yourself, we're talking about a child's education here. I'm the professional yeah. Like I'm I'm the professional in this conversation and I should feel confident about representing my opinion in that way. So that that's one of the things that is really hard to develop. I, I found and you you mentioned SES before, like working in underprivileged communities uh, and I, you know I started my career in western suburbs of Sydney and the the school I worked at, a lot of the families were migrants, people seeking asylum, refugees, uh, indigenous families, a, lo- a lot of families who didn't have a lot of money. And one of the things I noticed at the parent-teacher meetings was that the parents really respected teachers. Like they, there was a real respect for education and what education could provide for their kids. But at other points in my career where I've worked with families that were more kind of white-collar, um, high income, probably high expectations for the careers for their, their children, their view of the teaching profession was a little bit different. Like... In my first school, I think if uh, if uh, one of the boys or girls had said to their parents, I want to be a teacher when I leave school, I think the teachers would have been stoked. Yeah. But at some of the other schools, if, if a kid said, I want to be a teacher when I leave school, 
I, I think some of those parents would have think, oh, you could be shooting higher than that. Yeah, you, do yeah. you know what I mean? Like, well, there are articles in the paper when some some student that's achieved, you know, ninety nine point nine ATAR has chosen to go into teaching. Shock yeah. horror, yep. you know, and they have to go and interview them. Why would you choose teaching when you could have done so much yeah, more? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Makes the front page of the Herald. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and that's a that's a I think that's a good reflection of a community like a broad community perspective on the teaching profession. But, you know, if you're looking for silver linings of a worldwide pandemic, mm. um, I think the respect that people had for teachers really grew during that time. Like w- when people had their own kids at home, trying to engage them and trying to make them do work while, while also working at home themselves. Like yeah. I think a lot of people realised it's harder than it looks. Yeah, yeah. We just have to keep reminding them of that. Yeah. <laughs> so, Matt, should we call our podcast um, Those Who Teach Are Freaking Amazing or something like that? Uh, it doesn't. It's not quite that. Not, this, not quite ring. as catchy, but um, <laughs> and I didn't come up with it. So that's that's one of the other reasons I would say no. Um, so, but that's. Uh, I think it's one of the things for us to keep in mind as we do some more episodes here, Kate, about um, thinking about how to teachers keep propping up the profession and, and make it something that people value. Absolutely, and we'd love to hear from you too. How are you enjoying the podcast? And do you have any particular things you'd like us to cover? Particular questions? Because we're here for you. So let us know. All right. See you next time. See ya. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Those Who Can't, brought to you by Summit Education Australia. This episode was recorded in the Hills Podcast Studio, located in the Bella Vista Hotel, and we'd like to thank them for allowing us to use their studio. Join us next time for more of Those Who Can't.